people are glad that his love is never ending, that he loves us when we are unlovable. Amen. Hey, we um, started a series about two weeks ago. We started talking about coffee, and uh, it has been well documented that, that your pastor loves coffee. I love trying new coffee shops. I love trying new coffee blends. Um, I love grinding my own coffee beans. Does anybody do that? All right, just a couple. It'll change your life. As a matter of fact, I went and counted last night um, bags of different coffee that is sitting on my kitchen counter, much to the displeasure of my wife. Um, There's probably about 15 bags of different blends of coffee uh, that's sitting there right now. And um, I begin to, to think about that, and I love coffee. I love the smell of coffee, uh, but, and you find some people who don't like coffee, they just like the smell. If that's you, it's coming, because my wife used to say that. She would walk down the coffee aisle, and she said, it smells so good, but it tastes so bad. Now she's as addicted as I am, but she doesn't drink it black just yet. But as we begin to to think about coffee, uh, there's nothing better than, to me, there's nothing better than sitting down with a friend over a cup of coffee for conversation. Now, I had the opportunity this week to do that a couple of times, but this one particular time I had the opportunity, and and so I met someone at a local coffee shop. I, I ordered an Americano. Does anybody know what that is, an Americano? It's just espresso and hot water. That's all it is. Uh, but, but I love it because it's so much smoother. So I get up and I order an Americano. First of all, I ask, can you do an Americano? Yes, we can. I said, okay, we'll see. And then they asked me, will that be all? And I was feeling generous. I said, whatever they want. They walk to the counter. Give me a hot chocolate. My whole countenance just dropped. I said, a hot chocolate? We can't have conversation over hot chocolate. It has to be coffee. So I began to to think about, but it went okay. Once I got past the the disappointment of them drinking chocolate and milk. But I began to think about it, and I thought, there's just something about sitting down with people, taking time. And so a couple of weeks ago, we thought about what would it be like if we could sit down with some of the figures in the Bible and ask them questions? What if we could just sit down and listen to them? Allow them to to share their wisdom with us. Because the Bible is, is filled with people who they had problems. The Bible is filled with people who had failures. The Bible is filled with people who had victories. The Bible is is filled with all of these things. It's filled with people who showed and displayed tremendous faith. How many people know that it takes faith to walk a Christian walk? Because there's times that, that you can't see it, but it takes faith. There's times that you can't feel it, but it takes faith. And as we begin to to think about that, and we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, which is filled with person after person who went through stuff in their life. 
But it always said it was by faith. It was by faith that they were able to accomplish and do what it was that God had called them to do. So how did these people that were facing such tremendous circumstances, how in the world did they fulfill the calling and the purpose for God in their life? And as we begin to to look at that, I believe that there's much to be learned by us. Because we understand that after Hebrews chapter 11, it goes on to chapter 12. And chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Living in this world will be difficult. There's going to be things that try to weigh you down. There's going to be things that try to keep you from finishing the race that God has put before you. But the writer of Hebrews here says, throw it off. Get rid of it. Well, how were these people able to do that? How were all of these people in Hebrews chapter 11, how were all of these people that we read about in the book of the Bible, what were, how did they do it? And so the first week we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we realized and we know that an angel came to her and, and, said that, and told her that she was going to give birth. And, and not only give birth, but she was going to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. It was something at that moment. She was presented with a God moment. And she had to make a decision. Am I going to walk into this God moment? Or am I going to not have the faith to believe and walk away? Because it was something that seemed impossible. It was something that was very uncomfortable for her. She had doubts. She had questions. But she chose to believe God. And we talked about that first week. Blessed are those who believe. I told you to write it down. Blessed are those who believe because with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Last week, we talked about Samson. And we said, what would Samson tell us? If we could sit down with Samson, what would he tell us? Because Samson got it wrong most of the time. Samson was full of dishonesty. Samson ran with the wrong crowd. Samson disobeyed his parents. And we looked at it and we think, you know, if Samson could tell us anything, even though he had lost his physical eyesight, I believe that Samson would say, I was blind long before I lost my eyesight. I was blind to what the enemy was trying to to do to me. I was blind to how the enemy was trying to get me off course, to not finish my race. I was blind to the fact that God had a purpose for my life. And the enemy does the same thing to us. He wants to mess up your focus. He wants to forget about the purpose just as Samson did. So today I want to look at someone else found in the Old Testament. I want to look at Isaiah. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. Uh, He was born somewhere 800 years before Jesus. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And in this book, we see that he 
clearly saw Jesus. Uh, John said in the New Testament that, that Isaiah saw the glory of God. And he shows in detail the crucifixion. He was a prophet. And another name for a prophet is a seer or a seer. Why? Because they see things. Now, it would be awesome to sit down with Isaiah because he would probably be able to tell you something that you're going to face. Because he could see what was going on. And the whole goal of this message is for you to see your life better. Because there's many of us that we do not really see what's going on. But before you leave here today, I hope that, that we can see a little more clearly. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says this, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. I love that verse. Because it says whether you turn to the left, whether you turn to the right, no matter, you're going to hear a voice coming from behind you saying, walk this way. You say, well, I've never had that. I don't feel that, that I've ever heard God speak that to me. Well, hopefully, before you leave today, you can realize that you can. God wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you into all truth. He wants to help you in your day-to-day -day walk. But many of us, you, we ask the question because life is so confusing. How many people would agree sometimes life can be so confusing? Sometimes you're going along and everything's great and then something happens. It's like, where did that come from? What was that for? It's confusing. But I believe that, that Isaiah helps answer this question. When you are trying to make sense of it all. When you're trying to make sense of it all. Do you know what helps? Do you know what we need? Do you, do you want to know what I believe Isaiah would say and what he shows us in this book that he wrote? When you're trying to make sense of it all, an encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. When we come in here on Sunday, my goal is not to grow this church. My goal is, is that every Sunday that we have an encounter with Him. And that we become such people that not just on Sunday we have an encounter with Him, but we have an encounter on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Too many people go through life... And they never truly have an encounter with Him. But Isaiah teaches us how to do that. You see, our greatest pain can be the catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain can be the catalyst for our greatest gain. You see, God usually reserves those times that we're in pain to speak to us when we're hurting the most. There's times in our life that we're, we're hurting so bad, but God, just in a, in, a, in a whisper, will speak into our hearts. But as we talked about last week, most of the time, most of the time, when we experience pain, our initial reaction is to run away from God, not to run to Him. And if 
You're in pain right now. And maybe it's even from your own doing. It's pain that you inflicted upon yourself. It's a decision that you made. It's something that, that you did that, that has caused you to be in the position that you're in right now. God and, and Isaiah wants to show you that you do not have to try to fix it first. Just run to Him. You don't have to try to, to make up for the mistakes that you made. Just run to Him. You don't have to, to do anything other than run to Him. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's read a little bit of Isaiah chapter 6 starting in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. The first thing that I want you to realize is, in their year that King Uzziah died. Now, when you begin to read up about this, King Uzziah was a king and he started out being a, a good king. We also read and many people believe that Isaiah and Uzziah were first cousins. So here he is, but something happened to this king. He went into the temple and he burned incense, was he was not supposed to do. And when the priest came in and said, hey, I don't care who you are, you're not supposed to be in here. He got upset, and he was struck with leprosy. So at that moment, things started to take a downturn, because he wasn't doing what God had called him to do. He had become too high and too lifted up. And so in this moment, in this moment, he died. And this is what Isaiah the prophet said that he witnessed. Let's go on to verse 3. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled of His glory. And at the sounds of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. When you look at the doorpost and the thresholds, that, that represents the foundation of our life. And it's at those times, in those moments, that we are, we are shook to our innermost being. Something happens, and we don't know how we're going to face it. Something happens, and life becomes confusing. But it's in those darkest times that God wants to show you who He is. When we can begin to see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. And it's in those moments that we have to run to Him. It's in those moments that we have to say, God, show me. God, show me Your glory. God, let me see You clearly. Because He wants to do a work in the deepest part of your life. In the deepest part of your soul. But what happens is, is when we have that hurt, when we have that pain, when, we're, when we have been shaken to our, to our very foundation, some of us, we want to push back. You can't have an encounter with God if you push back. 
There's many of us that say, yes, God, I want to go to heaven, but other than that, just, just leave me alone. God, I, I want to, to escape hell, but I'm not sure I really want to see you clearly. I'm not really sure I can trust you with everything in my life. There's so much pain. But I believe Isaiah would say, it's in those moments, it's in those moments that you have to run to him. And verse 5 says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So in this moment, Isaiah saw his own condition. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man who has failures. I am a man who makes mistakes. I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah recognized and he saw himself clearly because he had clearly seen God. You see, we all wear masks. We all wear masks, not just at Halloween. We wear masks. And, and sometimes, most of the time, that mask even fools us. We wear that mask, and, and when we look in the mirror, we do not see ourselves clearly. Or when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves as a failure. We see ourselves as someone who has a past. And we cannot, and, and it seems like here over the last little bit, we, I keep talking about, and the Holy Spirit keeps impressing me to talk about getting past your past. And the reason that I know that that is, is because there are so many people, I have watched so many people, I have counseled with so many people who absolutely cannot get past their past, who absolutely cannot accept God's grace. But God wants to remove our past so that He can redeem our future. God removes our past so that He can redeem our future. There's some of us that will never get to your future because you're stuck in your past. And a lot of us can't even see that even when we look in the mirror. And the reason is because we have the wrong picture of God. There's some of us here that, that grew up in a church that you were only ever told what was wrong with you. They never told you that, that you could do something to change the world. They never told you that there was a God that settled your yesterday once and for all. You see, God is not a negative God. He doesn't want to talk about your past. He wants to settle it. He doesn't want you to, to look at your past. He wants you to know that it's your past. And every time that we get together, I want to remind you to keep looking forward. To keep pressing on. To keep your eyes toward the prize. To keep running the race. You ever watched a scary movie? And the person is running from whoever's chasing them. And they keep looking behind them. You ever seen that? And you're sitting there thinking, just run. 
Just run. Seems simple, right? Just run. Quit looking back. Because you can't run as fast if you're worried about what's behind you. You can't get to your destination, but it seems so simple. But so many of us live our Christian life just that way. Always looking in the rearview mirror. Don't do it. God wants to settle it for you. Verse 6. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. This is so cool. What does the altar represent? What did it represent in the Old Testament? It was a place where blood was shed that paid for your sins. For us, the altar is the cross of Jesus. He says, so here he was, and, and he took the coal. And verse 7 says, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So powerful. That is so powerful. He said, with it. Taken from the altar, it touched your lips. Your sin, your guilt is taken away. It's paid for. It's settled. And that's what the cross does for us. That's our altar. That's where it was settled. And the reason why that, that some of us have never really had a true encounter with God, the reason that, that life doesn't make sense is because we're still stuck on yesterday. We've not allowed God to take away our guilt. Hebrews chapter 8 talks about that, and, and it says that, that he, all, he, he also changes our conscience. He changes the way that you feel about yourself. There's some of us that... that just to be blunt, we, we don't like ourselves. We don't like who we are. God said, I want to change that. I want to change it. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? So here we are. He doesn't say, you're going. We had to make a decision. He had to make a decision. He didn't say, well, this has happened to you, so go get them. You have to. Same way with us. He asked Isaiah, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. You see, God doesn't force us. He invites us. He invites us. You want an encounter with God? When you have pain, run to Him. When He invites you, which He does to us all, run to Him. Who will go? He said, send me. And when you get there, just know that He's going to touch the deepest part of your life. 
The darkest moment. He wants to touch that. Some of you will never experience God the way and never have an encounter with God the way that, that He wants you to have and what He wants you to experience until you settle with Him your yesterday. Some of you will never experience the best parts of God until you do something for God that will change the world. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. God's inviting us. He's saying, I, I, I want to, to settle your yesterday. I want to, to take away your guilt. And then he's asking us, what are you going to do? Who's going to go? He invites us. And he wants us to say, here am I. Send me. Send me. Three final words of encouragement as we get down to the last sip of coffee. One thing about these coffee shops is, is they, uh, a lot of times if you want to refill, you got to pay for it. So as we get down to the last, the bottom of the cup, what would Isaiah have to say? I believe the first word of encouragement that he would give us is, is God wants to reveal more of himself to you. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. How many people would like to, more of God? Absolutely. God wants that. He wants to reveal himself to you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. One of our sayings around here and one of our core values is that everyone has a next step. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this thing. Whether, whether you uh, came to him during worship service or whether you've been serving him your entire life and as long as you can remember, we all have a next step. I'm talking to myself as well. Staff, I'm talking to you. New Christian, I'm talking to you. We all have a next step. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Do you know how we take that next step? We seek him. We seek him. With our whole heart. We go after him. With everything that's in us. We don't hold anything back. He says, seek the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you seek me with everything that you have. You know what the secret to finding God is? Go all in. Go all in. That's the key. What do you mean? I'm saying you, you can't hold anything back. You can't reserve anything and say, God, here, here's this part of my life, but I'm going to hold on to this. We've used the analogy, and I get nervous every time I use it, but if you've ever watched them play Texas Hold'em, there's times that they'll look at them and say, you know what, I'm going all in. 
I'm pushing every chip that I have to the middle. I'm not going to try to hold on to anything. But the difference is, is when you do that, in that game, there's a possibility you're going to lose. With God, it doesn't work that way. He said, you seek me with your whole heart and you'll find me. Some of us need to make the decision, God, I'm tired of just being a Sunday Christian. I'm tired of of not taking the steps and, and going. And I believe Isaiah would say, you've got to go all in. He said, it was the deepest, darkest moment of my life. But God showed up. I had an encounter with him. And I went all in. I said, here am I. Send me. You see, too often we try to control our spiritual journey. Why? Because we're scared. We're scared. Can I tell you that nothing that God has for you is bad? Nothing that God has for you is bad. Go all in. What does that mean for you? Whatever your next step is. Whatever your next step is. For some of you, it may just be during worship, just slipping your hand up and saying, God, here am I. Could be that. I mean, some of you may have grew up in a church that if you got too happy in church, they didn't, they didn't like that. But I've found that uh, when I lift my hands and when I lift my heart to God, when I say, God, here am I, when I say, God, I don't care about what's going on around me, but I'm going to worship you, some of us grew up in a church where going, that, that church had to be painful. That's what made it holy. Can I tell you, churches getting together is supposed to be enjoyed, not endured. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me. Uh, some of you grew up in a church that you were mad when they said unto me. You were glad when it was over. Some of us just refuse to go all in. We refuse to trust God. We refuse to to follow His Word. I mean, the Bible says, clap your hands. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the dance. Have an encounter with Him. Whatever that means, take the next step. Go all in. Secondly, I believe Isaiah would say, God wants to change you. God wants to change you. God wants you to say, God, what else do you want to do inside of me? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If, if you are willing and obedient you will eat the good things of the land. He wants to change you. He wants to make a difference in your life. You can't change your life. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you cannot change your life, but God can. God, do a work inside of me. First Peter chapter 2, it says, Like newborn babies, You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. 
now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. What I love about being a pastor and what I love about having this kind of church is that one thing that we say and one thing that we believe is that, that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter where you are, you have a place to go. And it says that you need to crave milk so that you will grow, so that you will experience God. So if you're here and you're lost, then you need to give your life to Christ. You need to come to Him. If you've been saved but you've not been water baptized, you need to get baptized. If you've been coming to church for a while, you need to join the church. If you've been here a while and you've never served, you need to serve. Take that next step. Crave. Grow. Experience. Taste and know that He is good. We talked about in the beginning about having a growth track next week. That could be your next step. It could be your next step. Sign up. Take your next step. Thirdly, I believe you would say that God has an assignment for you. God has an assignment for you. This is motivating to me. This is why God wants to have an encounter with us. When Isaiah had this encounter with God, it wasn't just so that he could feel good. It wasn't so that, that he could just leave the experience and say, Whoo, that felt good. We had church today. No. What did the encounter end up with? How did it end? It ended with God saying, okay, I've done this for you. Now I have an assignment. I've changed your life. Now I have something for you to do. I've changed your life. Now I have a purpose for you. That's why God wants to change you. That's why he wants you to have an encounter because you and I are part of his plan. Well, actually the only plan that he has. It's us. And I believe Isaiah would say, have an encounter with God. Go all in. Taste and see that he is good and then go. Go. It's represented here in Isaiah and is what's found in the New Testament. To the New Testament church. Have an encounter with me and then go make disciples. Have an encounter with me and go change the world. Who will go? Send me. In Isaiah chapter 60. In verse 1 it says, Arise, shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. There's some of you sitting here this morning and you're miserable. You're miserable. If you take off the mask and you let us see what's really going on on the inside, you're miserable. You know what you need to do? You need to arise and shine. You need to arise and shine. You need to get up. You need to shine. You need to get up and say, His light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon me. 
I want to shine for this world. The world needs people who are full of God, who are full of hope, who are full of life. The world needs people that, that, are, that are going through some of the same junk that they're going through. There's people in your life that are struggling with things that you struggle with, but the difference is, is that if you're a follower of Christ, you have the answer. And there's people in your life that are going through the same struggles, the same hurts, the same pains, but they do not have the answer. It hurts me to think about going through this life without Christ. Because I, it's not possible. And I begin to think about it. And he said, what do you need to do? Just arise and shine. Show people the glory of the Lord. And verse 2 says, See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Verse 3. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. You see, it's what you were created to do. It's what you were created to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us this. For we are God's masterpiece. How many people knew you were a masterpiece? I mean, some of you have told your spouse that. Say, I'm a masterpiece. Some of you put it on Facebook. But you probably didn't really believe it. But Ephesians chapter 2 declares, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. We talked about last week the reason that, that we are so miserable because we don't understand our purpose. We don't understand our purpose. And I am convinced, convinced enough to tell you last week and to tell you this week, that until you find your purpose, you're going to be miserable. Until you find your purpose... Until you understand that he created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things that he's planned for us. Nothing God has for you is bad. Nothing that he wants to do in your life is bad. There's not a next step. When you're following Christ, that's going to take you backward. One step at a time. One step at a time. You ever seen someone start to go up steps? And they want to take three at a time? We have somebody in this church that's very gifted at that. But I've watched them fall. I've watched them tumble. And their wife will say, just take one step at a time. Just take one. That's the way we're designed. One step at a time. The next step. Whatever that is. 
whatever that looks like. You've heard what Isaiah had to say. We understand that everybody goes through pain. We understand that it's our natural instinct to run. Can I tell you, God's still reaching out for you. He's still reaching out for you. Don't run from him. Run to him. Feather head bowed and every eye closed. First of all, would there be anyone here? Just say, Pastor, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never asked Him to come into my life. Your next step is simply to do that. You say, Pastor, you said simply? Yeah, it's that simple. God, come into my life. I believe. I confess. Would there be one? You might be here this morning and you may be saying, Pastor, I need to take my next step. I need to take my next step. I've been stuck where I am for a long time. I've been spinning my wheels for a long time. I've been taking up space for a long time. I've just been a number in the crowd for a long time. I'm not making a difference in the lives of the people around me. I've not been doing that. I'm just here. It's time for me to get involved. It's time for me to serve. It's time for me to get baptized. It's time for me to join the churches. It's time for me to start giving. It's time for me to, to understand and realize that I'm part of the plan. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I need to take my next step. Slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I need to take my next step. And we would say, Pastor, I simply want more of God. Slip up your hand. I want more of you, God. Thank you. Can I tell you how you accomplish that? Take your next step. Whatever that looks like for you. Seek Him. When you seek Him, you'll find Him. Ask everybody to stand. Everybody, just look up and look, look me in the eye for a minute. There's times being a pastor there are times that 
um, you have weeks and, and you have sometimes months of the enemy whispering in your ear of discouragement. But man, for me, for me, this message was right here. It was right here. And God's timing is perfect. And this week, God has placed an anticipation in my spirit about what is to come. I mean, because we say it all the time. And it's easy to say, but as we sing, sometimes it's harder when we're not so sure. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. If faith were an easy thing to have, then life would be easy. But it's not. It's hard. But as I prepared for this sermon and God began to speak into my spirit. He said, practice what you preach. Quit having doubt. Quit looking behind. I have something up ahead. JW, take your next step. Sometimes it's so easy to become comfortable where you are. It's easy. We've been in here seven months, seven-ish months. We've got a nice, cozy church. Everything's just going right along. And sometimes it's saying, man, it's just comfortable. but you can't stay there. And some of you, you're living your Christian life and you're just comfortable. It's comfortable where I am. It's comfortable serving here. It's it's comfortable just doing this much. God said, in order for you to fulfill my purpose, you have to throw off every weight, every sin, You have to press on. Take your next step. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, this altar is always open, just so that you know. Always. So this altar is open, and as I pray, if you need prayer, if you need somebody to agree and believe with you, then I encourage you to to, to walk down here and let us pray with you. It's never out of order because it's commanded in His Word. But as I pray, I'm going to ask that you begin to ask God. Some of you already know what your next step is. You already know it. You've been fighting it for months, some of you for years. You know what your next step is. And some of you, you, you really need to find out and seek God. God, what is my next step? What is it? For most of us, it's just simply go all in. Give Him everything. So as I pray, begin to ask God. And if you need prayer, 
You will not come to this altar alone, I promise you. There's people that want to pray with you and believe with you. Whether you need healing, whether you need something uh, spiritual in your life, whether it's a financial need, whatever it is, he commands us, he says, come and let people pray for you. And we'll do that. But ask God, God, what is it? Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. God, sometimes it's it's a struggle. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it's so hard to have faith. God, it's in moments like those that I'm so thankful that I know, that I know, that I know that you're there. God, Father, I pray. God, that for those here this morning that may be struggling, who may have a hard time figuring out what their next step is. Father, I pray that you speak into their hearts right now. That you speak into their lives. God, when the enemy comes against us, God, allow us to know that you're fighting for us. God, when the enemy tries to keep us from taking our next step. God, give us the strength and the courage not to listen to his lies. God, there's nothing that I want more than for us as a church to have an encounter with you. God, I understand and I realize that we will never do and never be, we will never fulfill our purpose until we do. God, speak into our hearts, speak into our lives, and allow us to see your glory. God, let us see you clearly. Let us believe your word. Church.